edition of Starship Geek. We are talking about episode 8 of The Sandman. This one entitled Playing House. Rose is welcomed by Dream, as of course the end of last episode, she Dream walked right into his throne room. Lucien says that she has somehow dreamed her way into an audience with the Lord of Dreams himself, Morpheus, and she should probably leave. Morpheus says she can stay. Rose asks what the dreaming is, and Morpheus says that she is dreaming right now, and asks how she found him. Rose said she heard them talking about her brother, and Dream says that he might be with one of his missing nightmares. Morpheus says that this is about what she is, not who she is. A dream vortex, to be exact. Rose was born with the ability to travel through the dreams of others, all the way to his throne room, apparently. Dream says if she found him, she can find Jed. He tells her to keep looking in the waking world for Jed, and tonight, when she is asleep, they will look for him together. He says that Matthew the Crow will help her, and Rose asks if Galt can hurt Jed. We see Galt in a command center. An alarm goes off, and Galt turns in her chair and shapeshifts into Jed's mother. So, you know, that's happening right now. Jed walks downstairs, asking which one of his nemesises is it this time. Galt says it's the Pied Piper. He's using his powers to control all of the children. And this looks like a job for... The Sandman. That's right. Jed puts on a superhero costume, with a nice red face mask, and he swirls sand around him and teleports out into the street. Galt, while she is, I guess, trying to help him, is not very inventive, considering that she just created the Sandman as a superhero. Okay. So he's got a huge red hourglass on his suit, just to kind of drive the point home, and Galt says that all the children have been kidnapped. Jed hears a tune playing, and he runs up and sees a sewer grate start to rumble. He pulls out a bag of sand, and then a bunch of rats run out from the sewer. They swarm him, and he wakes up in the waking world with a rat actually biting him. Jed is apparently in the basement of his house. He calls out for uh, Clarice and Barnaby, but Barnaby refuses to let him out as he has to learn, and would just run away again. Just kind of just driving home the point that these people are a piece of shit. I have never been a huge fan of the like wicked foster parents storylines and things, mostly because I feel like it's sort of detrimental to how people view foster parents. Now, there is a a show that I I have started to. Uh, cover over on my other podcast uh, called The Midnight Club. And in that is a very good representation of a foster parent. And yes, they exist, not only in the real world, of course, but also in television and movies. They do exist, but it's far more 
of a cliche to have the foster parents be complete assholes and mistreat a kid. And I know it's it's easy, it's low hanging fruit, but it it just it it kind of disappoints me because it's like it, it outweighs all of the good representation that foster parents have, and foster parents for the most part are really good people. They're taking it upon themselves to help out children in need. But here we're like, okay, yep, that's what it is. They're just there for the money, and they don't like the kid, and they're treating like dirt. So, yeah, I, the sooner that we move on from this, I feel the better. Rose wakes up and finds Matthew outside. She seems rather unsure if what she just dreamt actually happened, which makes sense. She calls Unity and explains what the foster lady told her. She has to stay a little longer as someone pours her some tea. It is, of course, the Corinthian. He thinks, or she thinks, he is a reporter and asking about the sleeping sickness, since she is apparently the only person who survived it. She tells him that Rose is in Cape Kennedy, Florida now, and he says that he will have to visit. Rose prints out new missing posters for Jed, and she shows, shows Hal the posters, and he says he wants to help put them up around town. She offers to pay him, but he says, You know, you already paid me because I totally overcharged you for this room. Chantel and Zelda arrive, and Chantel asks if they can also help up put up some posters. Barbie grabs another stack of them and says she will help put them up as well. Chantel says that Zelda suggested that, uh, that they help, and so they're going to. Hal tells her that Lyda is still asleep upstairs, though. So, we cut over into Lyta's dream, and she is having a dream with her dead husband. He says that she needs to live her life instead of having dream sex with him. She says that he's just a dream, but he tells her that if he was a dream, he would disappear after she wakes up. He is, in fact, a ghost. And when she leaves, he still goes to work and does other things. And he says one of those things he's been doing is he finally built their dream house. Hector opens the door to show her the house outside. Hector says he couldn't remember everything, but he did the best he could on her plans. There is a door to a room that when Lyta enters it, she sees that it is a nursery. Hector says he built it because it was their dream. Now that they are both in the dreaming, it can come true. All she has to do is stay with him. Lyta says she does have to wake up, and so she does. So we get a bit of confirmation here that this is actually her dead husband, just in ghost form, and apparently hanging around in her dreams. Not just in her dreams, but obviously the dreaming as a whole, because he's able to do things when she's not asleep. So I'm sure this won't cause any problems at all for Morpheus to have an actual ghost of a person hanging around in his realm. Rose enters the room and shows her the posters. And Rose says she wants to put them up around the adoption agency to show that they're still not giving up. Lyta says she will take care of that end of town. Lucien meets with Dream, who asks how Rose was able to wander into his throne room. And he wonders why Galt targeted Jed and not Rose. Lucien says that Unity is the sole survivor of the sleepy sickness. Jed is the great-grandchild of her, and Dream wonders if his absence led to the birth of the Vortex. 
He says that vortexes are naturally occurring normally, but the timing does seem a little suspicious. And of course, they still don't understand what Galt is actually trying to do with Jed. Hal and Rose walk down the street, and he is trying to see if, if she can remember any of her father's friends. She wants to start with her father's neighbors. She explains that when her mother got a job in New Jersey, the father cut them off completely, and she hasn't seen him since that night. She slides one of the, no, the posters into the mail slot of one of the neighbors, and they go on their way. Lyta goes to the adoption agency and apologizes on behalf of Rose. Lyta asks if the woman does follow visits, and asks that she go and check on Jed. She doesn't have to tell them, she just wants her to check on Jed to make sure that everything is okay. After Lyta leaves, the woman calls Clarice, and to say she wants to check on Jed. Clarice agrees to it, but Barnard says he will call her back and tell her that she cannot visit. Clarice says if he doesn't want Jed, they can give him back. And Bernard says he's not going to give up on $800 a month. Clarice gets Jed so that Bernard can tell him not to run away again. He says that if Jed is good, he can sleep in his own bed tonight. If not, he will wire Jed's hands to the pipes in the basement and break every bone in his body. Charming. Clarice says she will make him something to eat while he gets cleaned up. Jed grabs a pen and paper on his way out. And we go over to Hal. And he tells Rose that he went to New York to become a Broadway star. Once his grandmother died, she left him the house, so he came back home. He does say that he likes it here, but of course, his first and only love was the stage. Rose sees Matthew and says she is going to go up and uh, take care of more posters. And then we see in the background that the Corinthian has arrived. Rose walks up to a crow and asks if it's Matthew, but it flies away. And then Matthew calls out and says, that's a crow. I'm a raven, but hey, common mistake, I understand. So, of course, seeing is believing here. The Corinthian walks up and sees Rose and Matthew talking, and it freaks him out enough that he backs away and runs off. Matthew flies off after explaining to Rose that he is there to help her, and the Corinthian walks up to Hal and explains he is looking for Jed. He tells Hal he will see him around. Rose walks up and asks if that was a friend of his, and she says, You know what, if he calls, I'll go ahead and give him your number, Hal. A lot there. Obviously, the Corinthians seeing Matthew there means that Dream is on his trail, and that Dream is also aware of the Vortex. So he's going to have to kind of change his plans if he wants things to go good. The foster care worker visits with Jed and his foster parents. He plays nice, and the foster woman asks if she can speak with the parents by herself. Jed has a note that he has written, and he walks away, but then turns back, runs over and hugs her, and drops a note into her bag. He then runs off. She returns to the office and opens her bag, but before she can dig into it, the Corinthian walks in. We cut back to see that Bernard has actually taken the note from her bag anyways and uh, says Jed will be sorry. So even so, no matter what, even if he didn't catch that the note was in the bag, the Corinthian is probably going to take it. Or, you know, do something not so nice to the foster woman. Oh, like murder her, which is exactly what he did. He starts to read Jed's file as he eats her eyes, so now he knows exactly where to find Jed. Rose and Hal are back at Hal's house, and Rose wonders if she should move back to Cape Kennedy. 
Hal asks if she really want, thinks he wants to be here. If Broadway called tomorrow, he would sell this fucking house and never think about these people again. He tells her to follow her dream, because this was never his dream. Rose, I hesitate to say wakes up in the dreaming, because she's dreaming, but she gets up in her dream as someone is calling her to a stage. She walks through her door, and we see that Hal is on the stage, all dressed up in his drag, and he's putting on a performance for himself, as we see Hal is the only person in the crowd. Dreaming Hal says, this isn't even my real face, and he rips off his mask to show his normal appearance. I don't know if I would say normal. His everyday appearance. His non-drag appearance. Then he says, this isn't even my real face either, and he pulls off his face, but there's nothing underneath except for his own fucking skull. Hal sees Rose, so she runs away, runs away, and she runs into another person's dream. So that's an interesting nightmare that Hal has, that he apparently rips his own face off while performing for himself. It's a dream. We'll just, just go with it. So, she has wandered in to Lyta's dream, and she sees Lyta getting fucked by Hector on the couch. Lyta sees her, and she runs off into the person's dream. She is now in a lecture hall where Chantel is giving a speech. She says that she has a sentence that she is committing to the Library of Congress here. And Rose looks over and sees the dream is standing to the side. He walks away, so she tries to follow. Chantel sees Rose and calls her name, which causes everyone there to look at her. And she goes out of the Library of Congress and finds Ken, nude, and locked out of a Lamborghini with Barbie inside. He asks her to let him in, and we see the dream is standing in the road. I'll be interested to see if uh, Lyta or Hal or Chantel mention, like, hey, by the way, while I was having a dream last night, you just were there, and then just ran off. It'll be interesting to see if they remember that or not. Rose goes over to Dream and asks why they are there, and if they are looking for Jed. And Dream says they are looking for him. You are just drawing the, your friend's dreams to you. So now she needs to be careful not to get lost in them, and she needs to find her own path and find Jed. She looks over and sees one of the posters on a gate, and she opens the gate. They walk through, and they find themselves in a the big open field. There is a rather large skeleton of a spine and ribs, on the ground as we see Barbie walk up next to a large furry creature. Barbie in this dream is a princess, and she says they have finally made it to the porpentine, and calls her large, hairy, mammoth-looking friend Martin Tenbones. She reaches out a gra and grabs a light from the sky and then walks away. Rose asks Dream what a vortex is, and he says the vortex has the power to dream entire worlds or to destroy them. After that, he actually doesn't know what a vortex is. They then go to Zelda's dream, and she is about at Zed's, er, geez, Jed's age. She's running through a cemetery and says that nobody but Chantel understands her. She is her soul sister. 
They follow her as she says that they are goth heroines. Dream says that Zelda is at home here. It's where most people go when they dream. They go to where they consider home. Rose needs to find where Chad calls home. Zelda enters a mausoleum as Rose and Dream follow her, and they wind up on the street where she and Jed grew up. Dream says that she's done it. They found his dream. Now they need to find Galt. Jed sees Dream on a monitor in the command center. Galt tells him that he is here to take her away from him. Jed says he will not let that happen, and he teleports to Rose and Dream. Dream has a laugh as Jed says that he is the Sandman. It was one of the few times we've seen Dream have a little emotion. He was very much tickled by the whole whole scene in front of him. Rose tells Jed that they're not here to hurt him. Galt walks up and Rose says, That's my mother. Dream says, No, it's not. Jed finally notices that it's Rose and he runs up to hug her as Dream removes Galt's disguise. Rose asks where Jed will be when he wakes up, and Jed says that Uncle Barnaby will break every bone in his body and Clarice won't be able to stop it. Dream tells Galt to come with him. She apologizes to Jed, and Dream tells Jed to wake up. He says that they are in Homeland, and then he wakes up screaming for Rose. Barnaby takes off his belt, but before he can go downstairs, the doorbell rings. Lyta goes downstairs with Hector. Hector says that Lyta is now in his dream. I don't know if ghosts could dream, but apparently they can, which means that something has shifted and changed. She can stay there with him, and they can have a baby. He tells her anything is possible. And she backs away, and we see that her stomach has started to grow, and they both laugh in disbelief at the fact that Lyta is dream pregnant. Rose looks on the internet for Barnaby Clarice Homeland and finds an address for Barnaby Farrell in Homeland, Florida. She goes to talk to Lyta and wakes her up. She says she found Jed, but she runs up before Lyta comes out of her room. Lyta then opens the door to her room and walks over to a mirror, and we see that she is, in the waking world, pregnant. So she has a ghost baby inside her that was conceived in a dream with her dead husband. Yeah, I'm sure that will cause no issues for Morpheus. The door to the basement opens, and Jed tries to hide. Galt asks Morpheus if he knows what Jed's life was like in the waking world. Dream says that as long as he is in the dreaming... He has no life of his own. Galt abused his suffering to build a dreaming she could rule, but she says she had no wish to rule. She just wanted to be a dream and not a nightmare. Dream says they do not choose to be created. Then Dream did not choose to be what he is. Galt says that they can change. She asks why all the dreams and nightmares fled the dreaming once Dream was gone. Lucien says that not all of them left, and most have returned. But Galt says they returned not out of love, but out of fear. Fear of what Dream would do to them. Galt says she is not afraid, but Dream says you should be. He says that a nightmare's purpose is to reveal a dreamer's fears so they can face them. He sends her to a world of darkness to face her own fears. She says it's better than making people afraid of herself. 
Even a nightmare can dream. After she's gone, Dream sees Lucienne make a face. She doesn't think the punishment was just. She says she used to be something else before he made her his librarian. Dream says, in my absence, you were compelled to make decisions on my behalf, and I am grateful. But I am back now. And you can return to the library. Which is the most polite way to say fuck off that I've ever heard, but he definitely tells her to fuck off. Jed walks upstairs to find the house torn apart. The Corinthian walks over to him, having just killed Bernard and Clarice. He says his sister Rose sent him. Rose arrives just a little too late and sees paramedics taking their bodies away. The coroner said there was only the two adult victims, so anyone else here is gone. We cut to the Corinthian driving Jed down a road. He says he doesn't know Rose, but he is looking forward to meeting her, and he hands her Jed one of the missing posters as the episode ends. So looking at what Galt was doing, I fully understand what she was doing. She was trying to give this poor kid a break from the real world. And she decided to make it so that he wouldn't have nightmares in the dreaming. He would only have good dreams that she had created for him. She made him a superhero. She made him be able to fight off anybody that came near him, gave him power. But I also understand where dreams coming from, where it's like, it might not be great... His life may be shit, but he needs to face that. He can't run away into a world of dreaming. He needs to eventually find a way to get free, one way or the other. And he needs to face his own, you know, shitty existence. So, I get both sides of it. I do. And I don't know which one is right, honestly. And that's probably the the purpose of this, is that you don't really know which way you fall in it. You know, dream is going very steadfast on the rules. It's, you know, the dreaming is very, has a very specific purpose. And what Galt was doing goes against that very specific purpose. What Galt also was doing was not her own purpose, which was to be a nightmare. But if she was with Jed, she should have been finding ways for him to face his fears in his dreams. And instead, she just kind of created a world of fantasy with him. So, fully understand that. I don't know that a hundred years of darkness is an appropriate punishment for what she did, because I do feel like he needs to take into account her uh, reasoning behind things. I know he thinks that her reasoning was to be the ruler of her own dreaming, but it didn't seem that way. So, I fully understand that. I'm glad Bernard and Clarice are dead, because that ends that storyline, and now... You know, we're getting kind of closer to Jed and Rose getting back together. And the Corinthian is still playing a very interesting role in all of this. I don't know where he's taking Jed now because they were literally close to the same area there. So I don't know how far away Homeland Florida is from Cape Kennedy, but I wouldn't think too far away. And the fact that he had the poster, I mean, I know he gets around a lot, but, you know, I would think that he... He was probably close to them. So we'll we'll see on the next one what happens there. But uh, again, we've got kind of our reunion in the works here between Rose and Jed. And uh, now Dream has sort of distanced himself from Lucien, one of his like main compatriots in this whole thing. 
I'm sure she's not very happy with the way he treated her. But also, like, there was a lot of things with, like, Merwin saying that she really runs the Dreaming and stuff like that. Fully understand Dream kind of being a little annoyed by that. So, yeah. Good episode. And uh, I think we've got maybe three more episodes left of this season. So I will talk to you next week about episode nine. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye.